Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to tell you about the missing Timothy Pitson. Grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Hi everyone, this is your editor Bryce. Just wanted to interrupt real quick to say thank you to all of you who entered the merchandise giveaway over the last week. We got some really good response and we will be collecting all of the submissions tonight and then we're going to be doing a live stream on both our Instagram account and our Facebook account tomorrow evening, which is Friday, April 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we will do the drawing for the names of the winners as well as another special announcement or two. So we hope to see you guys on the live stream. Remember, tomorrow, Friday the 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And back to you, Abby and Erica, for the episode. Timothy James Pitson was born October 18th, 2004, to Amy Fry Pitson and James Pitson. James was Amy's fourth husband, and she had struggled with depression for most of her life. And this was something that had been seen in many of her marriages and kind of what made a lot of the marriages struggle and then eventually end in divorce. At the time of our story in 2011... Amy and James were on the edge of divorce as well. Amy was described as a wonderful mother who had some problems when she was younger, but everything had seemed to get better over the last 15 years, according to her mother. Everyone said that she adored her son and he adored her, and the relationship that the two had was an unbreakable bond. At the time of her story, Timothy is about six years old, and His dad, James, drops him off at school on May 11th, 2011, and then he goes to work. After school is done, James arrives back at the school at the end of the day to pick Timothy up and take him home. And when he arrives, he gets there and the school tells him Timothy's already been picked up. James is really confused by this because he knows that he was the one that was supposed to pick him up. This was something that him and Amy had already discussed previously. And so he's like let me see the logbook, like who took my son and who did it without my permission. They look back at the logbook and they see that his mom, Amy, picked him up from school that day. And it turns out she had picked him up at 8.35 a.m., which was less than an hour after his dad dropped him off. And Amy had claimed that there was a family emergency that she was picking him up for. Are Amy and James still together? They are still together at this time. They are kind of bordering on the edge of divorce. Things are kind of getting worse between the two. There's a lot of arguments between them. James was really concerned because he was like, was there some sort of emergency that I didn't know about? And so he's calling Amy, trying to get a hold of him. And his exact quote was, I called Amy's cell phone a couple of times, always went to voicemail. I said, just tell me that you're fine. Just call me what's going on. I had no idea where they were. I called her mom. I called her dad to see if she'd been there. I was like, okay, she's upset at me for some reason. She'll she'll need to cool down. So the next morning comes around and they're still not home. So I call the police department and report Amy and Timothy missing. A couple days pass and there's still no sign of where Amy and Timothy are. However, there were a few phone calls that Amy had made to different relatives. And she had called her mom saying that we're fine. We'll be home in a day or two. I just need some time to figure it out and try to 
think about how to approach this, which I'm not sure what exactly she was trying to approach. If she was trying to approach like possibly how to end her marriage with James or if she was trying to approach just what best to do in the future in regards to Timothy. But she was kind of cryptic with her message. My opinion is that she's saying how to maybe approach leaving James because you said they were on the borderline of maybe divorcing. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. And now, I mean, I think that's kind of the thought that everybody pretty much has is that she was just trying to figure out how to leave James. Another person that Amy called was actually James's brother. And he said that he could hear Timothy playing in the background and everything seemed fine. But there is one part of the conversation that really stuck out to James and James's brother. And she said, Timothy is fine. Timothy belongs to me. Timothy and I will be fine. Timothy is safe. That sounds like she took him. I agree. I mean, Timothy belongs to me. Like, that's just a little possessive, I think. Well, and how she says Timothy and I will be fine and not including anyone else. It sounds like she took off with him. Yes. And so they're trying to find Amy. But I mean, there's not a lot that the police can really do in this situation because both Amy and James have shared custody of Timothy police are looking for Amy, but they're like, she's a full grown adult. I mean, if she wants to take her son for a vacation, unfortunately, that's just kind of her choice. Mm -hmm. She hadn't committed any crimes at this point in time. So it wasn't like they could just be like, all right, we got a warrant out for the arrest because she possibly kidnapped her son or whatever. It wasn't like that. Especially since it seems like Timothy isn't in any immediate danger. Exactly. They assumed because Amy had always taken such great care of Timothy. They just assumed that she was still doing so and that there was no need for concern about his well-being. On May 14th, around 12.30 p.m., some employees at a Rockford Inn walked into a hotel room and they actually found Amy's body. And it was evident that she had died from suicide as she had slashes on her wrist and on her neck. She'd also left behind a suicide note saying that, quote, I've taken him somewhere safe. He will be well cared for. And he says that he loves you. Please know that there is nothing you could have said or done that would have changed my mind. End quote. Couple things. One, is she still in the same state? So they lived in Aurora, Illinois, and this was in Rockford, Illinois. So they are still in the same state. Yes. Interesting, too, that she says I've taken him somewhere safe. And then just leaves it at that. It's an odd thing. Yeah. I mean, what is defined as safe? Is there, and it kind of leads into a whole bunch of other questions that we'll go, we'll talk about a little bit more later too. But the biggest one is, was he not safe at home for some reason, one reason or another? Yeah. Like possibly Amy had some inside knowledge that we are not privy to. Yes. One thing that I'd like to know, Amy had made a suicide attempt before. So this was not anything new. She had attempted to kill herself back when she was married to her second husband. It had apparently been more than a decade ago when she was married to Greg Campbell. And according to Greg, she had parked her car on the railroad tracks in Ames, Iowa, and was sitting there just waiting for the train to take her out. But Just before the train passed, she ended up getting off the tracks and checking herself into a psychiatric ward for nearly a week. When she had been released from that psychiatric ward, she was prescribed an antidepressant. But around the time of their divorce, which was in 2000, she stopped taking the medication that she had been prescribed. 
Did police check in with her family to see if she'd taken Timothy possibly to one of their places? They did. They checked with all of Amy's family, all of James's family to see if any of them knew where Timothy could have been taken. But there wasn't a single person that knew. So they find Amy's body. And now the question is, where's Timothy? I mean, there's this note that they have. But they're trying to figure out if this note is 100% accurate or if she just left this note and possibly had already killed Timothy. So they're looking around for Timothy, uh, any sign of him, and they find nothing. Were there ever any reports about Amy being violent with Timothy before? No. Everything reports that Amy was a great mom. She was very motherly and caring for Timothy, and she was always looking out for him. Police want to look back and figure out exactly what has happened in the last three days with Amy and Timothy. So they retrace Amy's steps. And what they find is that on May 11th, Amy picks Timothy up from Greenman Elementary in Aurora between 8.15 and 8.30 in the morning and loaded him into her 2004 Ford Expedition and decided to go to the zoo with Timothy. So they go to the Brookfield Zoo, and after they're done there, Timothy and Amy go to Key Lime Resort in Gurney, which is a hotel and water park that is in Gurney, Illinois. Then on May 12th, 2011, so the next day, Amy and Timothy leave, and they go to Wisconsin Dells, where Amy chucks them into the Kalahari Resort, which is another hotel and water park. And on the way there, she stops to buy clothes. She buys a toy car and a small craft kit at this convenience store. She stops to get gas and drinks off of Interstate 94. So this is proof that they traveled all the way from the Key Lime Resort to the Wisconsin Dells. This is the day that James calls in the missing persons report to the police department. And they immediately enter Timothy's name into a national database for missing children, But they didn't issue an Amber Alert because, like we talked about, Amy had not committed a crime. And it wasn't believed that Timothy was in danger because he was with his mom. It was just like they just took a vacation and, for some reason, failed to tell James. Then on May 13th, there is a surveillance video that shows Amy and Timothy checking out at the Kalahari Resort. And Timothy is seen holding his mom's hand. And Amy is carrying a child's backpack and Timothy's kind of like messing with it because it seems like he's just bored while he's waiting there in line for them to check out. And this is the last time that they see Amy with Timothy. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. All those activities, things they do, it sounds like something that a mom would do with her kid if she was planning on committing suicide. Like, it sounds like trying to spend your last couple days with, like, giving him good memories, I guess. Yeah, trying to make some memories to just kind of have, let him keep with him for the rest of his life. So, while police are investigating, they look back through cell phone records, 
and the iPass and credit card receipt records that they have. And they are able to confirm that Amy had taken mostly main roads on May 11th and 12th and was just basically going from point to point. It didn't look like she'd made any stops that were out of an ordinary. It looked like she went directly from the Key Lime Resort in Gurney, Illinois, to the Kalahari Resort in the Wisconsin Dells. And there was no indication that it was anything out of normal than what you'd see on a normal vacation. Which makes you wonder if she did give Timothy to someone, at what point and where and all that did she stop? Yes, and that's actually one of the things that people point to is that she had stopped along the way to buy clothing and toys for him and different things. And so they're like, why would you spend the money on those things if you were planning on murdering your son, you know? But then again, there's that thing where it's like, was she just trying to make these good memories and she knew that she was going to kill herself so money no longer mattered to her in a way? The thing that's interesting with that is the good memories for a kid. The amusement park... The zoo, the water park, that all makes sense. But buying them clothes doesn't necessarily, because kids don't give a crap about that. Well, I'm wondering if they just, it wasn't like exactly planned and they just didn't have clothing for him. So when she like left the house, she never packed enough clothes for him. Do we know if there was any of his stuff missing from home? Like she had packed anything or is that not reported? I didn't see it reported anywhere. It's kind of back and forth. Like there's, and I'll go into it more later, maybe a little, but they do believe that this is something that Amy had planned, this trip. And did Amy work? Yes. Had she taken time off or let them know that she wasn't going to be in was where I was going with that. I actually don't know. That's a good question. It wasn't something that I came across. Mm -hmm. That's just something that I think could point to whether or not it was planned. Well, and, and so I was trying to find more information about Amy and James, like while I was researching all of this, and I was really struggling with finding anything about the two of them. It was all like 100% about Timothy and the fact that he was missing. So like I said, on May 11th and 12th, all of the footage and evidence that they could find showed that it was just a really normal trip. And there, like I said, nothing out of the ordinary. But while they were driving south on Interstate 39, which I believe would have been on the 13th when they were checking out the Kalahari Resort, they were heading towards Sterling. And that's when she started calling the family members. So that's when she called her mom and said that everything was fine. That's when she called James's brother and said that Timothy belonged to her and that he was safe and that they were okay. Which I guess it's nice of her to check in, but it would have also been a little nice if she wasn't quite as cryptic about everything that they were doing. It's good that she checked in at least a little bit, but all of it's still so strange. Absolutely. Everyone reported that the conversation seemed normal and they could hear Timothy in the background playing. And at one point he even got on the phone and talked to someone and I didn't see who he talked to. I believe it was Amy's mom. It's also interesting to me, though, that she called so many people to let them talk to Timothy. And I think that the reason she was calling people was because she knew where Mm -hmm. she was ending up and what her ending was going to be. And so she was like, I only have a few days left. I want to call and I want to say like kind of my goodbyes without actually saying goodbye and setting off too much concern. And it was almost like she was setting up Timothy's goodbyes too because it was the last time they would hear from him hear him in the background talk to him or whatever as well exactly originally none of the calls had raised any alarms everybody was just like okay 
Amy's just taking some time for herself. Her and James just got into some sort of fight. She needed to cool down and she'll be back later and it'll be okay. That's pretty much where the trail went cold though when they were tracing her. They don't know where she was after that up until her body was found. They were able to find that she drove 170 miles towards Sterling along the Rock River, which is about 80 miles west of Aurora, Illinois. Then she turned her cell phone off for the last time. There were later surveillance cameras that saw Amy at a grocery store in Winnebago, which is also in Illinois, and that was around 8 o'clock at night, but it was just Amy. Timothy was not with her, and that would have been on the 13th as well. Then on May 14th is when her body is found by the Rockford Inn staff, and police are called and brought in and James is called and James is like all right where's my son like hoping that he's gonna get some sort of good information but that's not quite what happened was there any sign that Timothy was in the hotel room with her at all no there was no sign that Timothy had been in the hotel room at all in the knife that Amy had used to commit suicide they tested all the blood on that and none of the blood matched Timothy and it was all proven to be her own blood so they weren't even sure they're like if she did do something harmful to him it was not with the same weapon and there was no indication that he was anywhere around and police talked about it they thought it would be weird if she did kill Timothy to then go and commit suicide somewhere else because they weren't able to find any indication that Timothy's body or even Timothy was in that area It also seems kind of strange that she would have cleaned up before killing herself because if she'd killed him, likely there'd be some type of evidence. Yeah. And there wouldn't be, I mean, there's no reason to clean up after that if you know you're just going to end your own life. Mm -hmm. Police were able to find Amy's SUV in the parking lot and they towed it back to Aurora so that they can search it for clues and like collect samples and see if they can figure out kind of where all the van went after they were no longer able to track her which is the majority of may 13th they have no idea where she was when they get the suv timothy's car seat is not in the vehicle which is something that's a little concerning to them they're like what happened to the car seat like did she give it away if she gave him away and it leads to a lot of questions and the other thing that was not found at the time of this discovery would have also been amy's cell phone did they find like her wallet and purse? I, yeah, her wallet and purse were there. The only thing that just wasn't there was her cell phone. So on May 23rd, so nine days later, the Aurora police confirmed that Timothy's car seat that they thought was missing and they had no idea where it was, it was actually with the grandmother, Amy's mom. So she said that she had taken care of Timothy about a week before Amy had left and she took him home and then forgot to return the car seat to Amy's car. So Amy just didn't have him in a car seat? Correct. That's what the assumption is, is that she just didn't, which honestly, it's weird because it's like a week before, but it's not that weird because if he had just been riding with the dad, a lot of parents each have a car seat in their own vehicle. Some will split back and forth, but a lot of them have their own separate car seat. It's like, this one's for dad's car, this one's for mom's car. But it is a little weird that the mom just hadn't picked up the car seat in a week. And then it makes you wonder, what was he sitting in while they were driving around everywhere? My guess would be just a seat. And that's possible. Nothing really happens for a few months. And then on August 11th, police kind of release some information about what they found in the car 
they were able to notice that it was visibly dirty. There was soil and weeds and grass and everything stuck in the car and coating the outside. And they did forensic testing on the plants and the materials that were found. And it indicated the car had been stopped for a time on a gravel area that was just off of an asphalt road that had been treated with glass road making beads at some point in time. I wonder if there's a way to pinpoint where that would have been. They were not able to pinpoint an exact location, but there are some theories on that. And I'll go into that in a minute. They were also able to determine that the vehicle had most likely backed into a grassy meadow or field that had Queen Anne's lace and black mustard plants. It would have been mostly treeless and it would have just mostly been a field with the Queen Anne's lace and the black mustard plants in it. And they assumed, they guessed that there was possibly a pond or a small stream nearby. They didn't think that it was like an area that was used, that was cultivated to grow crops. They thought it was just like a really rural area that nobody really visited did they look for these areas to search for timothy they they did search around some of these areas so they were thinking that the meadow was probably in lee county or whiteside county which is in northwestern illinois but they were also considering carroll ogle stephenson and winnebago counties so there were a lot of different areas and a lot of space to cover They also were able to determine that there was blood that was found in Amy's SUV and it was confirmed to have been Timothy's, but they said that it could have been the result. Like it could have just been from a bloody nose. It wasn't necessarily enough blood to indicate that he had come into harm while he was in the car. And it makes sense that it could have happened. Yeah. After she picked him up, but it could have also happened at some point before that as well when things were still fine. You know what I mean? Yes. So it, was, it wasn't something that was super concerning to them at that moment. While they're investigating, they learn that Amy had taken two unexplained trips to the same area that Timothy ended up disappearing from. And that had been in February and March of 2011. So just a few months before. And so they believe that Amy had actually been planning the disappearance for months She also had an email account that she'd started that was under her maiden name. And that she started that in 2007 and James never knew about it. But the account, they they looked through it and it didn't have anything useful to the investigation. But they did think it was kind of strange that she was keeping like this double life almost from her husband. I don't know. Is having a different email account with your maiden name that weird? Because I know I've got a lot of email accounts that I've made because you have to make new ones for things sometimes, you know, and some of them are like my middle and first name and some are my last name and, you know, some are a different, not my name completely. I don't buy into that being that strange. Well, and they ended up just like kind of pushing it off to the side and they're like, it's not anything that is has to do with the investigation. I only I think the only reason that it's considered strange is because it seemed like she was living this separate life where she was making these trips to this area and seeming to plan Mm -hmm. the disappearance of her son. I think if it had come about in any other circumstance, it would have been fine. But because this exact chain of events happened, I think it became a lot more suspicious. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman, 
Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. On December 28th, 2011, there was a reported sighting of Timothy at a Denny's restaurant in North Aurora. And so the police like are like, let's go track it down. And they get there and there's this car that people had said, oh, I saw Timothy in this car. And so they look into it and it turns out that it's not Timothy. It's not anything out of the ordinary. It's the owner of the car's son. But apparently he looked kind of like Timothy enough that it tipped people off. And they're like, we should let somebody know. And then another tip came in in December where people were saying that a boy had been spotted in Massachusetts and that they thought it was Timothy. And police were receiving dozens of sightings where people were like saying, hey, I found Timothy. None of them turned out to be anything. And it just turned out to be a lot of people either thinking that they were seeing something or just trying to get attention. Well, I'm not surprised because this case made made headlines quite a bit. I think a lot of people were somewhat familiar with it. So I'm not surprised that they got a lot of calls in thinking they, that people maybe saw a little boy that looked like him because little boys can tend to look somewhat similar. In October of 2013, a woman came forward in Illinois and said that she had found a phone on the side of the road in Illinois and the, she turned it in and she's like, I believe that this belongs to Amy. And turns out it was Amy's cell phone. They searched the phone and they searched the area where the phone had been found. And unfortunately, the phone led to no information that they didn't already know. And there was nothing to show that Amy had been in contact with anyone other than the family that we already know she had called. This is when they start to kind of really wonder, did Amy really give Timothy away to someone or did she kill him and then commit suicide? And Timothy's dad and family truly believe that Timothy is still out there somewhere and that he's just living in some like possible Amish home or that he's living with someone who's just like not allowing him to basically experience all of the technology of today. And he's just kind of living off the grid with a family that illegally adopted him or something. Abby, what are your thoughts on that? I lean more towards her dropping him off to someone or somewhere. I feel like if she was planning to kill him and then herself, it seems more like that's something they would have done in the same location like you said earlier. But I don't know why she would do that unless there was something going on at home that we don't know about or like she created something in her mind that there was something going on. Exactly. I mean, there and that was a lot of things that people talked about. They're like, I mean, what was so bad that she had to run away with Timothy and give him to someone else? Was she just being selfish and wanting to keep him for herself? Like a, if I can't have him, no one can type thing. And so she did kill him or was it a, you don't deserve to have him because I can't or it's, there's so many different routes that you can go down with that. The thing is with this case is nothing about it seems aggressive like that towards the family like she still called them and was nice and nothing nothing angry was said no nothing directly angry was said the only thing that was like a little odd was that she said please know that there's nothing you could have said or done that would have changed my mind in her suicide note and it's like what was so bad that 
there was nothing anyone could do to change your mind about letting him stay with his family and not with some strangers if that's what she did she does make that statement too that she says he belongs to me i guess that i just remembered which i think is probably why you could lean that way the next thing that happens in this case is an April 3rd of 2019. So just about a year before we're recording this episode. So a lot of you probably remember this happening, but there was news breaks and a news break and it was all over Twitter and everything where this boy had been found leaning against a car in Newport, Kentucky by this woman. And she said that he looked sad or he looked scared and disoriented. And she approached him to see if he was okay and to find out who he was. And he says that he states that his name is Timothy Pitson and that he had been kidnapped a few years before and that he had run across an Ohio bridge after escaping his kidnappers and leaving them at a red roof inn. That's fairly specific. It was oddly specific what he said. And when he was interviewed more by the FBI and by police, he said that he had been sexually and physically assaulted for years and he was experiencing abdominal pains from all the abuse. So they took him to the hospital so they could test him. And they wanted to do a DNA test on this boy who was claiming to be Timothy, which at this time in 2019, Timothy would have been about 14 years old. The DNA test results came back and they showed that the boy was, in fact, not Timothy and that it was actually 23-year-old Brian Michael Reaney, who had been released from an Ohio prison in March of 2011 after serving time for burglary and vandalism. Can we talk about how significantly different 23 and 14 is? That was my first thought, but he must have just looked really young, I guess. I I don't know. You know, I guess we I think we've talked about this in previous episodes. That little age bracket sometimes can vary so much. Yeah, I think anywhere from like the 14 to like 24, 25 or something. Yeah, you can pretty much be any age and <laughs> look the exact same. So he, when asked why he had pretended to be Timothy, he said that he wanted to be Timothy after he'd seen a news story on it. And he wanted to be a part of a family where a dad was so devoted to his son, which is... That kind of like breaks my heart. It is very sad because he said that he, he wanted to get away from his own family because if he had gone missing like that, his dad would have just gone on drinking and not even noticed. And like that just kind of broke my heart. And it was really unfortunate that he felt like he needed to go about finding a family in this way. He was charged with two counts of making false statements and one count aggravated identity theft. And in January 2020, he was sentenced to two years in prison after pleading guilty to aggravated identity theft. Abby, what's your final thoughts on... Because we're, we're nowhere with where Timothy is. We don't know. We don't know if Timothy is alive somewhere, living with strangers, if she ended up like selling him and giving him to some not so great people or if she gave him to like a good family or I don't know why she would sell him because if she was going to kill herself then she doesn't need the money so I don't I don't believe that one really as far as giving him away to a different home because she thought that was best for him I could see that I could see it going either way I would be curious to learn more about the home life and see how much she actually struggled with the depression and mental issues before I could really give a good sound opinion on that. Yeah, I think it's like a hard thing to just like 
answer what you think would have happened because there's so many different options. I mean, maybe she accidentally killed him and that was why she ended up killing herself was because something accidental happened or maybe it was more than just depression and maybe there were some more psychological issues or issues in her head that she was dealing with and she snapped one day or maybe she did give him to a nice family somewhere and he's still living out there this is one case that you will hear me say this abby so mark it but this is the only case that i've ever looked into where i feel like it's possible that nine years later he could still be out there alive living somewhere without having been seen or heard from and i know that i say that that it's not possible when somebody goes missing but in this one i think it is because he was six at the time of his disappearance and his mother gave him away to somebody if that's what happened i think if when it's a child it's different because they can be taken care of without being on the grid Exactly. I mean, it is possible he's living in an Amish family. He may not even really know that he's missing. He could be living with a family who's not Amish and just living normal lives. And I mean, maybe they know and they're they're obviously going to tell anyone, but maybe people just they're in a small location. They haven't heard the story. They have no idea. Part of me wonders if in like four years or something like that, when he would be 18, if we'll see a turn in this case, because once you're 18, I mean, he could get a DNA test for something. He could do that 23andMe. He could do, he could go out on his own and end up hearing about this case and being like, oh my God, that's my mom. Like, see like a photo of her somewhere or something. Because, I mean, he could be sheltered up until 18 and then you pretty much have control over it. And if he decides to go out in the world and go to college and live his life, then it's something where I think in the next four or five, six years, I think we'll kind of be telling about whether or not he's alive somewhere. At the time of his disappearance, he was six years old. So he would be about 15 now. He was four foot two inches tall, which I saw his dad talking about it. And they believe that he would be between like 5'10 and 6'2 nowadays. So fairly tall. Yes. And at the time, he weighed approximately 70 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes and he didn't just go by timothy he also went by timmy anyone with information should call the aurora police department at 630-256-5000 timothy's dad james says it best and he says quote the longer he's away the less time i'm gonna have with my son one thing you can't do is make up for lost time Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.